My name is H.G. Wells. I discovered my friend John is Jack the Ripper. He's escaped from 1893 in my time machine, and I am the only one who can catch him. I'm obliged to take you back to Scotland Yard. I'm not going anywhere. I've yet to begin in this age. Jane Walker, assistant curator. So, really, who are you? I'm certain you won't believe the answer to that question. What if I can prove to you that I'm telling the truth? Are you really H.G. Wells? Flesh and blood. I find you, Jane Walker, particularly special. I must find my friend. He's killed many women in London, and now he's killed again. Hello, my media masochists. Welcome back to The Worst Show on Earth, a podcast devoted to finding the absolute worst that television has to offer. I'm Matt Murphy, and my favorite time is 420, baby. With me here in Gravehouse is Alex Humphrey. Hello. Alex, Uh, top of the morning to you. Is that your favorite time, the morning? Oh, top of the morning, maybe. It's that or 11-11. Why 11-11? It haunts me. Interesting. Well, I'll have to point that out next time it's 11-11. Joining us from the very near past, because of internet lag times, is Tachi, the human IMDb. Thank you. Hello. Um, favorite time, let's see. 6.01 a.m. Why 6.01? That's when you can check to see if you've got Groundhog Date. <laughs> As a movie reference for your favorite time makes perfect sense, Tachi. Thank you for joining us via the internets. Thank you. And finally, joining us from the distant future is Rachel Bieber. Rachel, what's your favorite time? Uh, my favorite time is like... Three or four o'clock in the morning because the entire world is super, super, super quiet. And there's just a quality of sound that is not matched at any other time. Wow. Is it because of the peacefulness or? Because of the roosters. (laughs) There should be no roosters at that time. It's just so quiet. It's just beautifully quiet. Well... I really hope, listeners, that you like the word time, because I don't know how we're going to get around saying it a bajillion times. For this fortnight, we watched 2017's Time After Time, based off the 1979 novel and probably the 1979 movie of the same name. Normally, we'd read you an official synopsis of the show at this point, but the ones that I found were inadequate? Because they don't mention that this is a show about time travel. (laughs) Wait, what? I mean, the show barely recognizes it's a show about time travel. Wow. Yeah, so we were able to stream this legally and the upright pathly on CWC.com. And I encourage all of our listeners to check it out to see this wonderful show. Uh, and they just they just mentioned like, oh, this is some wacky adventures between H.G. Wells and Jack the Ripper. I need to stop you right now. Because mm-hmm. you have plugged a company and called this a wonderful show. <laughs> That's right. We're not getting the sponsorship dollars. Have you taken some sort of drug that has caused you to say this was a wonderful show? Yeah, she has a point. You might have just committed libel. I was, I, I am high on Sarcasmax right now. <laughs> um, it's a very, it's been prescribed to me to help keep my wit in check otherwise it's just it just cuts everyone since Uh, we're confessing things may i confess something to you all yes of course tachi 
Last night, I watched the movie. Oh, so I've seen <gasps> the movie. Night. I've seen the movie. Starring, who does it star, Tachi? The human IMDb. Star, uh, <laughs> Malcolm McDowell as H.G. Wells. David Warner as John or Jack the Ripper. Uh, also, the love interest is very different. Uh, instead of a museum curator, played by Genesis Rodriguez, uh, the movie gives us a banker, played by Mary Steenburgen. Or virgin. Was the movie as, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Banal, as the show is? I do not know. Words cannot convey how opposite the tone of the movie is. <laughs> <laughs> before, before we get too ahead of ourselves, let me finish explaining how, what the concept of the show We're is. We're time traveling, Matt. <laughs> it's Aren't we all? Aren't we all at all times? We're getting ahead so, of ourselves or behind ourselves. Ah, oh, there's no way to know. There's no way to know. Relativity's a bitch. Time is irrelevant. <laughs> so to give the big overview, H.G. Wells, the famous science fiction author, invents a real time machine in the 1800s before he writes his novel, The Time Machine. He has an acquaintance who happens to be Jack the Ripper <laughs> and, and a doctor. And the Ripper steals said time machine and travels to modern day Manhattan Wells follows and antics ensue. Uh, this show aired for six episodes total stateside on ABC. Then it was shit canned and shipped overseas where it finished out its run. There's 12 episodes in total. And there we are. So that's the show. But Tanchi has some more context to provide. Oh, for sure. Um, l- let me compare it to a movie I think we've all seen. I would compare the movie to Star Trek Four. Which is weird because it's from the same director as Star Trek's two and six. <laughs> Nicholas Meyer or Meyer. Uh, so you know how Star Trek four is kind of a comedy. It's a fun fish out of water time travel adventure uh, that puts mm-hmm. the time travelers in San Francisco in the 80s. Well, here we put yeah. a time traveler in San Francisco in the 79. And uh, it's pretty much a delightful comedy uh it has every now and then there's there's going to be a line of dialogue that makes you go "Ooh, that joke doesn't work today but for the most part it's <laughs> i'd say it's like 90 percent delightful and then every now and then it's it remembers that we have to have a showdown with jack the ripper okay i have some questions about this yes uh, how often do they spend in apartments rooms talking to each other about things they've already talked to each other about in different apartment rooms? Um, there are some scenes in apartments. Here's the thing. While the gobbledygook and some of the dialogue is actually similar, uh, imagine it delivered with much more dry wit. Interesting, mm. interesting. The, mm. You're saying the movie has wit. That's an interesting deviation from the show. Very much so. Yeah, so the show time after time, I found it to be utterly charming for the first three quarters of the pilot i don't even give it three quarters and wow you gave it you, you i, went I was having a lovely time i thought you'd be having a lovely time in fairness to the show the premise should work hg wells chases jack the ripper through time is a fine it's like one part sherlock holmes meets two parts doctor who like that's Mm. that's a fine concept they were definitely going for a doctor who vibe were they i don't know about that i don't i don't think they were i think they were going for a cw 
law and order drama vibe or I don't I don't know what they were going for. I, mean, I don't think they had something they were going for. I thought more of a show that I didn't really watch. I thought of Elementary, which was a modern American Sherlock Holmes. Um, I only saw like little pieces of it, but it was just that sort of modern generic, not as uh, not as witty as it could be. Mm. So our story begins in 1800 something London. And it was 1893. 1893. Thank you. And You're welcome. I wrote it down. <laughs> I thought that the I and and it's it's beautiful and dirty. There's great art direction. It's it's everyone's in wonderful outfits. We meet our heroes, our hero H.G. Wells, who's having a dinner party with some drunk aristocrats, and his friend John Gulliver, who is a doctor, is late because he was very busy stabbing a whore. You know, like Jack the Ripper does. Like Jack the Ripper do. He just stabbed people and walked away without doing anything else to the body of note. <laughs> Very famously. Never famously took trophies. did not remove body parts or, or <laughs> vivisect people's bodies. I mean, they really captured Jack the Ripper's <laughs> essence in this show as a aimless killer who leaves no trace of his presence or of his kill. <laughs> so H.G. Wells takes his drunk friends down to his basement to meet his time machine, which is a lovely sort of steampunk submersible kind of thing. Hmm. There's 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 those lightning ball spheres, and there's lots of gears and lots of brass. So much brass and portholes. But really accessible. Like, the UI was really good. Yeah, it was so good that when Jack the Ripper, like, joins the party and the Scotland Yard bust into the house looking for him. He runs into it, is instantly able to figure it out, and just time travel somewhere. Uh, let's be fair, Dr. John figures out lots of technology immediately with no training, including burner phones and how to lock the phone. He's really good. Oh, yeah. We should probably describe our hero, our, our protagonist. We better story. describe our protagonist. Because that's a very important part of the show, at least from my experience. Oh, yeah. I don't know no, about you all. The show was both made and killed by the appearance of our characters. Okay, so we have H.G. Wells, who is exactly how you'd expect. He's got a little mustache. Oh, that He's mustache. He's got a beautifully pomaded coif. Coiffure. And then we have our villain, Dr. Jack the Ripper, and he is just got the most magnificent beard, and it's it's got waxed mustache, and it's just like a very large, yet still stately and reserved, Victorian gentleman's beard. We have to stay on beards for a minute, because I, I think the first episode can be broken down cleanly into two halves, mm -hmm. and that is before shave and after shave. <laughs> because everything leading up to when H.G. Wells and Jack the Ripper get shaves is like at least kind of on concept. He ends up in the future. He's amazed by technology, but horrified by its uses. We get some great scenes of him wandering around experiencing the modern day. Wells, we get, that is, yes. And we get, ex we get scenes of Jack the Ripper going around kind of being amazed by like how awful everything is and how welcoming that is to him. He's got a hungry look to him. He wants it all. They have a cool encounter where, you know, they like, challenge each other and Jack the Ripper's like yo bro where are we going next the future's dope you can have a gun and then they get shaves and the second H.G. Wells' mustache comes off and he turns into a baby face the character dies with that ha oh, hair he goes from being clever and insightful and kind of witty to being dull blank and stupid 
stupid. He goes from eccentric to brick bland. stupid. Brick stupid. He goes from, from eccentric but brilliant to asking the the same question three times after it has been explained to him twice. Hmm. Would you rather see H.G. Wells spend the whole time looking out of place in the world, wearing tweed and having uh, out of date uh, fashion and style? Would you rather see that? Absolutely. Oh, you should watch a movie called Time After Time. <laughs> <laughs> the only saving grace about the shaves is that when Jack the Ripper gets his shave, he looks like a he looks like a brunette, like a dark brunette Chris Hemsworth, and it, it works for him. It works for him. The actor who plays Jack the Ripper is stupid hot. Yeah, he's Just very good looking. Insane. I think I called him Jack the Ripped. That's you the- did. You called him Jack the Ripped. <laughs> he did have a towel scene. It's true, and it was pleasant. Wait, uh, yeah, he's definitely a combination. He had a towel scene. Yeah, a scene where he's in a towel. I don't remember this. Yeah, he had his shirt off and everything. Rachel, it was magnificent. Wait, you're talking about H.G. Wells. H.G. Wells had a towel scene. They they both had a towel scene. Oh, well. Yeah. Clearly I cared. You missed. You missed out. Did I? Yeah, no, he's he's a lovely piece of meat. He's like a he's like a combination of Gerard Butler and Chris Hemsworth. He's just very handsome and is very smoldering and the fact that he's a villain, it's very good. Like he's good casting on his part. But After about two-thirds of the way through the first episode, we go from being a show about time travelers out of place, dealing with the modern day, and suddenly both the characters are basically perfectly well-adapted to the modern era. Jack the Ripper can use cell phones. He has no problem getting hotel rooms or navigating the world. There's scenes about him in the first two-thirds of the first episode. There are scenes explaining where he, like, how he cons his way into a hotel room how he pawns his watch to get money, and they dump that. That is gone. That stuff was interesting. You and can't what, have it. And what replaces it is the most banal, boring, interpersonal scenes. So what, what ends up happening... So many kidnappings. Yeah, and what ends up happening a lot is that people start pointing guns at each other, and H.G. Wells has a line about this, where he's like, Oh, when you resort to violence, you've already lost... And the problem with that is, is that violence is used by everyone all the time. Incompetently. Incompetently. No one is good at violence. And even if they are, they fumble it instantly after their victory. So to give the big overview, we we follow H.G. Wells into modern day Manhattan. He humorously arrives in his time machine in a museum exhibit. And he just comes out and everyone's like, "Ooh, look at this. And he meets his museum curator and soon-to-be girlfriend, Ugh. who is so thirsty for him on first contact. First contact. I would like to point out that uh, museum curator, that's her job because she just fell into it. Yeah, she's she's a part-time museum curator. Yeah, it's her first job. It's like, you know what? <laughs> I would. I wish I had been more focused and became a museum curator. Yeah, he asks her, uh, how does one become a museum curator? And I believe she says, when one has to pay the rent. (laughs) As if it pays well. One of the reasons I didn't go that route is because it pays crap. Wow. So her name is Jane Walker, and she is a blight on this show. (sighs) She's an absolute cancer. She is unbearable. She's so waste. She's just... Uh, yeah, she is a she a is a telenovela actress, very experienced. Uh, she's mm. also done a lot of voice work, uh, She-Ra and Big Hero Six. Um, so yeah, I would say the the writing 
is wasted on her. I The writing is the... Okay, if the writing is the problem, the writing is the problem. That's legit. She had... And this was all the female characters, which there are two. Yeah, yes. there are only there two. There are two. Yeah. Both well, of them except have for the, the murder victims. <laughs> uh, it's, mm. But both of them have the hallmarks of this character is supposed to be a strong character. But the plot points of a useless waste of space. Because she's supposed to be, like, clearly supposed to be, like, the perky, energetic dreamer like character who was gonna who he's gonna convince he's hg wells and she's gonna go on adventures with him and instead she's just this helpless useless obnoxious damsel she should have been a librarian hey what she should have been a librarian and not and not obnoxious yeah (laughs) whatever what kind of a degree do you think you have to get to become a museum curator you need a library science degree Oh, you needed to, I thought you just fell into it. Oh my god. Yeah, I thought you just needed an art history degree. Yeah, you first you do art history, you really love it and love it. Then you fall mm-hmm. into a museum curator, <laughs> right. but that's not your that's not your dream. I see. But that's yeah, the dream like it is the highest like it's the best art history thing, right? Like aside from restoring art, yeah. like getting to display art and like tell stories about art, but nah, it's not her dream. He's working up to be uh, Ken Burns. To restore art, you actually need to get a chemistry degree. It's really hard I'm work. pretty sure in this universe, you need a basic high school diploma and possibly a driver's license. <laughs> so this girl is thirsty for H.G. Wells, Jane. Like, Despite the fact that he has put his hands over all of her sensitive museum exhibit, she thinks he's cute. And feels very sad about him. And even at one point, it's like, ah, oh, my, my sad puppy syndrome is only going to last, give you so much leeway, Mr. Wells, or something like that. Uh, even that is disingenuous, because what I just said is more interesting than what it played out in the show. Well, here's the thing about the show. And this is going to go back to that, like, first two-thirds was bearable. Is the first two-thirds at least have respectable pacing and plot points. Mm-hmm. Like, because he has this encounter with Jack the Ripper, and then they get into a fight, and runs and gets hit by a taxi, and he has no identifying information, so the only thing he has is her business card. She comes back into the plot that way. It was at least well-woven, which I'm I'm assuming has to be attributed to the book or the movie, because the rest of this show, there's no way anyone was clever enough to write that. Why, funny you should say that. I've been sort of waiting on when I should let you all know that by watching the pilot... You've kind of watched the first two-thirds of the movie, but super fast and super compressed. Mm. Yeah, that sounds right. So all the ma- all the major plot points are there. The, str- the first 10 minutes of the pilot is the first 20 minutes of the movie, pretty much. Wow. Just, it's just very rushed. Also, the show never has any mystery about... Uh, that the that that guy is Jack the Ripper, um, because in the movie when he's introduced to the party scene, he's introduced so non dramatically that when he disappears, when the cops are looking for Jack the Ripper, it's like, no, it couldn't possibly be our friend, and then the time machine is gone. See that that Sounds... would have been interesting because then Jack would have been devious and stuff. <laughs> he in this show he's just sort of unhinged and angry a little bit. Um, well, he loves killing. That's his character motivation. Just loves killing. Unless we... he doesn't, because he, when he starts kidnapping people, and boy, he goes for broke on kidnapping women and kidnaps both our heroine and a complete stranger mm. uh, later in the first episode and crashing aimlessly into the second episode. 
when they have their encounter. I don't even know how to summarize the show from here. It is a series of banal kidnapping scenes and encounters with Jack the Ripper where he is completely outnumbered and overpowered, but they let him get away just because. We didn't think we'd had enough information to talk about a full episode of this uh, for the show. Uh, so we immediately watched the second episode as well. What a mistake. The, like, like, like Alex said, there was a kidnapping. Jack has a victim. Um, but then there's the proving scene. The prove Before we get to that, the proving scene where uh, Wells proves to Jane Walker that he is H.G. Wells by using the time machine. And it's the dumbest thing ever because... Oh, my God. Yeah, they go into the future oh. and she's like... By three days. Three days. Three days. Three days into the future. I'm like, why wouldn't he take her like a far, like far forward or really far back? Like a season. Why would... He's trying to avoid doing something very dramatic. He just wants to do something simple that doesn't mess with time too much. Uh, but just wait, his, this actually goes against his explanation of time travel in the next episode, though. Because he explains in the next episode that the reason they don't use time travel to solve all their problems is if you time travel near the same point in time too often, you'll cause a hole in time. Which I think <laughs> I think is kind of a nice metaphor for ha- what will happen to the show. <laughs> if they try to use... Because t- the show is clearly so ill-equipped to handle time travel that if they attempt to, the plot holes will simply devour it alive. Yeah, these writers are not concerned about their time travel continuity or time travel rules. They really just want to have a sort of weird melodrama. It's sort of like a reverse Outlander. Ugh. So I, I feel like if we're going to talk about melodrama, the melodrama kicks it up to the highest degree of boring melodrama I've ever seen in episode two. Mm. Because at the end of episode one, they confront Jack the Ripper, he gets away, he still has Curator Girl kidnapped, as well as another stranger kidnapped. And... Out of nowhere comes this woman and her, like, security team and encounter H.G. Wells. And she's like, Mr. Wells, I'm your great-great-granddaughter. Come with me and I'll explain everything. Mm. Wells is reticent. And that's a, but that's a fine end point for an yeah, episode. it's a and twist. Then, but then Wells' response to it. He's like, that can't be. That makes no sense. It's like I'm a time traveler. <laughs> And just is in denial for like the first third of the fir- of the second episode. And then rather than getting back to the time travel plot, we introduce like this lady's husband who doesn't know that H- about H.G. Wells and, is- and was a time traveler. And like he becomes a, a-, a plot point we're going to follow. This schmuck who has nothing to do with the plot. We get introduced to this lady's security team who all become characters. Oh, there's so many of them. They're just so lame and empty and blank characters there's there's so many of them as well it's like instead of the show doubling down trying to get to the part where it becomes a time traveling adventure chasing jack the ripper across eras it dwells endlessly on boring interpersonal minutiae there was actually an exchange between the characters where we haven't even mentioned the key uh there's this key that there's this key that you need if you don't want to get if you want to time travel but not have the time machine uh leave again without you it's a whole thing and jack the ripper has this line where he's like i need that key because i can't have you chasing me around through time and i'm sure we all went "Ooh, no why not can we do that (laughs) yeah that would have been interesting i have some bad news i've read the uh synopsis of episode three oh god and they they still don't time travel at episode three. Oh, what? 
They don't time travel until episode four. That's the past the halfway point at which this show aired. Wow. But they do tease us in this uh, in the second episode where where Jack the Ripper does achieve getting in the time machine and it's like, all right, what kind of time fuckery is he going to create? But then they uh, mess up some plugs and no time travel again. It's such an anticlimax. The show is loaded with anticlimaxes and moments where they beat him, but he just gets away because. But there was one that you kind of liked and I, I like I was annoyed by every time, but I think that's kind of the point, which is with the, with the actual time travel sequence. So as the device, the machine is spinning up and there's electricity going everywhere, uh, the windows of the time machine frost over uh-huh. and then there's a boop and then, then they just stop. It's great. No, that is a clever joke once. Yes. Which is he gets in the time machine. It's got this huge fanfare revving up. Everything fogs over. The music begins. It raises to a crescendo and then it just stops and he's there. Like, boom, it's done. That's how it was. That was time travel. That was very clever once. Yeah. They do it every time. It's torture. And why, why would you have a key that still lets the time travel machine work? Yeah, because... Why it, not have it... Be the ignition for the time travel machine. Like, well, because magic. <laughs> I'm a, I'm willing to accept that the time travel machine is magic. I'm I'm fine with that. Like that, I was ready from the get go when it was H.G. Wells as a time machine that it was not going to be explained scientifically. But what got me in the show is how many times the show concludes and then doesn't. Jack the Ripper uh, is knocked out by the curator um, who escapes. And lies there unconscious on the floor for like 10 minutes, during which time anyone could just stab him. Or she could have restrained him yeah, in any why way. why didn't she kill him? Like, right. she's from Texas. And then... She kept saying how she And she had Texas. a gun, but she doesn't use it. Then they catch him in the park, and he's jumped by like four security guys. And they know he has a knife, but he just gets away. He like cuts one of them and runs away, and he escapes. Well, clearly, uh, back in Victorian times, he was trained in, like, several forms of jujitsu. He's a doctor. He cuts the guy's arm. That's it. He cuts the guy's arm, and the guy drops like a rock because he has a cut on his arm, like you do when you're a trained security professional. Then they get him again, again at the museum. He is taken down by a random security guard who just tases him from behind. And rather than take his weapon from her or anything, they have like a, re- a like a yay, we're saved scene. And then he stabs the security guard and runs away again and again and again. He gets away every time for no reason because the characters are so stupidly useless. It's unbelievably frustrating to watch. So speaking of stupid, here's the biggest problem that I ended up having with episode two is that they start talking about timelines. And I don't mean like, making alterations to the timeline. They're talking about, like, literally, like, I don't have time for this. There's, we'll never catch him in time. And I'm like, you literally have a fucking time machine. They have infinite time. You could just go in the time machine and, and go to where you knew he was in the past and catch him then. Or go to where you will be in the future and read a paper and then find out where he's going to do the murder and meet him there. Like, there's so many solutions the time machine has. You just have to use it, like, once or twice more. Yeah, <laughs> And the right. whole premise would fall apart. Two more uses of that time machine and they would have had him. Yeah. Yes. It was a really dumb show, you guys. Here's the thing, though. There were signs in episode two that the show was going to a uncomfortable place that it was incapable of handling 
which oh, was you when mean creepy stalker guy yeah when we well that creepy stalker i completely forgot about him he was such a throwaway character the giant ginger one i'm talking about the fact that the show seems to maybe be approaching an attempt to humanize jack the ripper and deal with why he's a murderer oh and yeah the curator pisses him off so he goes into the bedroom to murder the other girl he's got kidnapped and he like stabs up and we think he's murdered her in a really just like ham-fisted tone-deaf scene and then it turns out he didn't kill her and like i think that's the show headed towards maybe he's having doubts about his killing yeah that happened after the museum curator uh jane walker She's she tries to reason with him and and then later in the bar he's Jack the Ripper has this moment where he's chatting up a woman and he's like do you think people can change so yes I think you're definitely onto something else Jack the Ripper is not the character to attempt that story point with no he is no. a man who took human hearts as trophies he is a legendarily awful monster I love though that she pointed out to him that he was an unknown famous murderer, like known as the mo- the most famous anonymous murderer. What I what I was what Rachel was reminding me of is that first he's excited to be famous, then he's really mad that no one ever learned his name because he never got caught, and you're like, can't you just be excited that you never got caught? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> or release your fucking name if you want the credit. The reason that we call him Jack the Ripper is that he wrote to a newspaper and signed it Jack. <laughs> like, the, yeah, the Zodiac Killer didn't leave his name hidden in horoscopes, now did he? Maybe we just can't crack the code. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. I guess we haven't talked much about Vanessa, the relative. Good point, Tachi, yes. So Vanessa is the woman who has found the time machine in H.E. Wells' basement in the modern era, like repaired it somehow and brought it to New York uh, and started this whole chain of events. Yeah. How did she know that she needed to quote unquote repair it? Because H.G. Wells met her when she was in college and gave himself a letter from the past. The letter said nothing. Yeah, it was useless. No, it was a letter from the future to his past self. That he gave to her past self for him in the future. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it didn't say anything. But it has a symbol. It's you. It just says. To, it just says believe her. And there's a symbol. And there's a mysterious symbol because he would that he doesn't recognize. Because he would leave himself a cryptic hint. <sighs> you know, she explains that they're related. She explains this encounter in the past, and that kind of has him on board. And then later in the episode, she shows him genealogy results. No DNA results. DNA. DNA res- yeah. D- yeah, sorry. Between her explaining that they're related and then the letter, he's pretty much on board. And then later, when she shows him the DNA results, all that's revealed there is, look, we're related. But you already had this conversation. That's my point about conversations in conversations in blank rooms that are rehashes of conversations from other blank rooms. <laughs> and that's the entire second episode. The entire second episode is point rehashed over after point rehashed after point. Every plot point in the second episode has already been done. It's just so boring. Alex, you had a very insightful point, I think, about Vanessa, the rich lady. Oh, yeah. She was the worst character. I was both tremendously disappointed by the whole plot line, and I'll get into that. But also, her she's the worst kind of strong female character. 
which as I said before, she has like the trappings of being like the powerful female CEO. Yeah, she's supposedly a CEO of a biotech company that her parents founded. But her character is basic basically exists just to be amazed by H.G. Wells and be subservient to him. And you yourself said, you're like, you I want that character to have ulterior motives. Yeah. I want her to want to become a time CEO. Yeah. And that's what I thought CEO. when we got her was that it was gonna turn out there was an entire time-spanning conspiracy surrounding H.G. Wells. Right. And now we were going to have H.G. Wells chasing Jack the Ripper being chased by a time CEO and this whole conspiracy. Right. And we were going to have something fun. I want to see the evils of capitalism and with the power of time travel. Like, that's what she should be all about. And that would make perfect sense and, like, be an interesting push and pull. And episode one set it up, too. Like, this is the bad of the future. Now, like, how about the bad of the future invades the past? But instead, I'm going to guess that that's what her husband is going to do. Oh, yeah. Totally. Because he's, like, standoffish and uh, really intrigued. And suspicious. And yet she has a total altruistic intentions for her her ancestor for some reason. Because she has no character beyond being amazed She by even him. says, like, I'm just good at business. I don't know anything about science. <laughs> like, it's, it's pathetic. If she knew that H.G. Wells used this time machine to time travel, why didn't she have, like, men who watched the time machine all the time and waited for him? Why didn't most people do anything that made any sense in this show? Ugh, amen. I honestly, to, to sort of wrap it up, I found there was a sort of virtuosity quality to this, where there's like a sort of cat and mouse virtuosity, of course. The wonderful movie starring um, that Australian man, human IMDb, help me out. Russell Crowe and Denzel Washington. Thank you. Those, those guys. Starring those guys, uh, where there's a cat and mouse game with a serial killer and like a super cop. Uh, except, like, H.G. Wells is a total fop and is very ineffectual. And then you have awesome Jack the Ripper. He's not awesome, though. I meant hot. I just meant hot. Everyone else just sucks so much that he doesn't get caught. Yeah. There is one more character, though, that the show tantalized us with. This is their tantalizing end to the two-part pilot, which was Mysterious Ginger Guy. (laughs) Who starts by stalking H.G. Uh, Wells. But apparently, like, I think he is a conspiracy theorist who has, like, clippings of H.G. Wells and knows H.G. Wells is a time traveler and is therefore stalking him and Jack the Ripper for reasons that the show didn't want to make clear or exciting. <laughs> so, all right, let's, let's ask the question, everybody. Is this the worst show on Earth? This is the absolute worst show. No. I would say this is the absolute worst handling of this show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it has a book. It has a movie. I would say this is clearly, objectively, about as badly as you could handle this plot line as I can imagine. A poor premise execution is what you're saying. I'm saying not a poor premise. Ex- the worst. They do <laughs> nothing with the premise. They abandon the premise. You, Anyone given this premise would come up with a better story than this show. That's true. We did. We had several ideas ourselves. Yeah, we got a little out of control in our pre-debrief, I would say. Pre-debrief. Having seen the movie, having seen the movie, I have an idea on how to handle the show. <laughs> <laughs> Make it only an hour and a half long. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, the movie's a good two hours, actually. Um, ah. The thing about the movie that I'll point out, it does contain some similar issues with logic. It does contain 
uh, a lot of the same beats. It works because the people in it are so damn charming that you let a lot of shit slide. <laughs> so my pitch for the show, it's it's a half hour sitcom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would work. I'm in. Half hour time travel sitcom. H.G. Wells is super out of place and British and trying to be a hero in a world he does not understand. So I'd like to point out that when H.G. Wells was walking around New York City, like because he decided he needed to do this on his own, even though he kept not being able to do things on his own, he's just so awkward. So Rachel, what what did you think? Compare this to another show we've watched. Like, what's another dull show you watched? Like Cop Rock. Cop Rock was torture. <laughs> that was torture. And I can't believe you let it go on for that long. This was worse than Cop Rock. This was not worse than Cop Rock. Because it wasn't trying to do 500 things and doing them poorly. It was trying to do one thing and doing it poorly. Interesting. I liked the variety of the 500 things. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I like the show that tries to do 500 things. My question is, who would who would go on? Oh, I cannot. I I almost smothered myself with a pillow. Oh, I would not go on. I I kind of would if others did, oh, and the honey. reason is because <laughs> if they're this just out of traction in episode two, like what does episode five even look like? I'm with Tachi. I I think that there is more to mine from this this stupid thing. Ugh. I have better things to do with my life, and I haven't gone anywhere in weeks. So I'm 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 coming around to this pitch that the the fact that this show has nothing in episode two yet has ten more episodes right does speak to its promise of just do anything next, please. There is chasing through time travel coming up in future episodes. I'm sad that I didn't do something else while I was stuck watching it. So we're watching the next two episodes. I would. But I would also watch more vampires, so. I was about to say, it's that or vampires? No, I'm kidding. Speaking of vampires, actually, uh, we got a letter. A letter? (gasps) Yes. What? We got a letter from two of our- From Gary Oldman! From two of our listeners. Oh, What? Two uh, friends One of ours, uh, Sean and Scott, who embarked on a project of madness. Are you saying Sean Stathatos, so one of our previous guests? Yes, uh, previous guest, and uh, his friend Scott watched, if I am, if they are to be believed, every single episode of Vampires. Can we also say that Scott is our friend as well? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Phew. What's up, locomotivators? Did you think the first few episodes of Vampires were bad? Well, guess what? It gets worse. (laughs) After having watched all 13 episodes in roughly intended order, we can confirm that the steaming shit crater goes deeper than we ever thought possible. The root of the problem is simple. Vampires is shockingly inconsistent. Not in quality, but in canon. (laughs) With the rules changing episode to episode without pretense or explanation. For instance, the heroic transformation sequence waffles throughout the show featuring different animations, rules, and catchphrases. A perfect example, in episode one and two, the characters transform with the catchphrase, Mission Ignition. But halfway through the the season, they switch to shouting, 
it's shape-shifting time. What? Only to go back to Mission Ignition during the final episode. Wait, wait, wait. It's shape-shifting time? That's just a rip, like an even more obvious rip-off of it's morphin time. Uh-huh. Going on. The vampire's goals change from wanting to drink all the gasoline to kill and subjugate the entire human race. Hey, now. Resulting wow. in episode summaries that range from the vampires want to drink a taxi like an ecto-cooler to... The vampires want to initiate a global ice age. Wow. Motivations notwithstanding, the threat the vampires pose to the motivators in the rest of the world varies wildly. In some episodes, Dracula will be defeated in seconds by a single motivator, only to pose an unstoppable threat to the entire team in the next episode. Admittedly, this isn't uncommon in shows of this genre, but I don't ever recall He-Man ripping out Skeletor's heart and intestines, only for him to return scenes later unharmed. Wow. If, if they were even slightly realistic, it would have been very gory, what they do. Oh, horrifying. But instead, it's ridiculous. Massive continuity and errors are also common. In episode 13, the motivators destroy the ceiling of the vampire's lair to flood it with sunlight. Seconds later, they are seen celebrating outside in the dead of night. Where did the sun go? Who knows? Mm. But if we had to single out the worst episode or two, they would have to be episodes 5 and 9. Oh, episode five is the progressive girl power episode you've come to expect from 90s children's television. Rev asks the rest of the motivators to treat her more like a woman. Rev is the fire truck girl uh, motivator. They hate this idea with shocking vehemence. (laughs) So she concocts a genius scheme to force their recognition by wearing a pretty dress. This incenses Axel who points out that she will only be a hindrance if she's exploring the sewers and heels, seemingly forgetting that they can become flying cars. <laughs> oh, no. Anyway, they're out and about fighting the vampires, except this time Dracula's goal is to kidnap Rev. See, earlier in the episode, he realizes she was a woman and decided to make her his queen. Oh. Doesn't he have a wife? I thought the ambulance monster was his wife. I can only read what's on my screen. Ah, yes. Anyway. The boys rescue her, and they all escape together. At the end of the episode, Rev is shown asleep in her car fin, as the boys comment on how she's actually really pretty after all. Oh my god. Such morals. Very progress. (sighs) But that's bad. Episode 9 is the shining star of the show. There's more? Yeah, yeah. (gasps) If, like me, you expected so little of the writers that you didn't bother reading Dracula backwards, joke's on you. Dracula, realizing that he and his gang are completely outclassed by the motivators, builds himself a son. Oh my god. Enter Alucard, the unholy fusion of a gorilla and a Buick, <laughs> who has the motivators on the ropes the second they meet him. How do the motivators turn the tide? They ask him nicely to be friends, and he agrees. What? That's, that's... Dracula, disappointed with his son's failure to kill the motivators, decides to dismantle him. That our heroes avenge him or something. It's not important. What is important <laughs> is the next morning, Van Helsing delivers to the group a piece recovered from the dismantled Alucard. The vot- motivators mention that he was a truly unforgettable friend. What? Who they knew for 15 minutes. Oh. As they gaze wistfully into the middle distance. Cue a montage of events happening to the crew. None of which have anything to do with Alucard. Literally, he isn't in a single cut of their memories. That's not how... But wait, wait. Easily the best part is that almost a third of the clips in this flashback have not yet happened in the show. Oh my god. (laughs) 
They are from future episodes. <laughs> oh, and they had to watch more to find that out. God. Oh. Yeah. Oh, man. P.S. The characters routinely forget they can fly. Oh, what? That's, that makes sense. Sean, Scott, wherever you are, in whatever state you're in, of madness, I assume. Thank you. <laughs> Your sacrifice will not be forgotten. This episode is dedicated to them. <laughs> Let's have a montage of all the great moments we had with Scott. I, uh, I don't want to edit that, but I will say, if you want some more context on that letter, uh, you can listen to our last installment where we talked about vampires and also listen to the Game Over shows where we watched the UPN CG show Game Over and Sean guest starred on the second episode of that. So you can check that out. Wow. Well, the clock's run out on this installment of The Worst Show on Earth, but you should subscribe for more. And don't forget to leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want us rambling about different things, though, you should check out The Demi Dozen on YouTube. It's an RPG actual play that Alex, Tachi, and myself all participate in. It's a game called Scion, and the players are the children of the gods of old, having adventures on a world-hopping cruise ship. Uh, just search YouTube for Demi Dozen, and you'll find us on the Scabby Rooster channel there. Tachi, do you want to plug anything? Uh, I guess people can follow me on Insta. It's Michael Tachi one uh, I've been less active in these recent days, but hey. What an enthusiastic plug for your own content. Right. Rachel, Rachel, <laughs> would you like to plug anything? I've got nothing to plug except my ears. Because the show is so bad or because I'm loud? Because the show was so bad. Oh, okay, The good. show was so bad. I thought it was me. I was very nervous. No, I love, I love your dulcet tones. Well, thank you. It was very sweet of you. And if you have a suggestion of something for us to watch, have memories of one of the shows we covered, or just want to say, hey, you can email us at worstshowonearth at gmail.com, worstshowonearth at gmail.com. Until next time, enjoy what you watch, no matter how crappy it is.